All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are Kayla and Aaron, and as always, super excited to be here. We are here to chat triathlon, life, coaching, and, well, everything we can in between. Kayla is a professional triathlete, coach, and mom to two little boys. Aaron is an elite amateur triathlete, triathlon coach, and swim coach. And most importantly, both have an extreme love and passion for the sport and are here to share it with you. So before we dive in, just a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you have any questions, you can send them over our way to www.wherepeaktakeyou.com slash podcast. We had some really great questions this week, um, both via Instagram and um, the email submit board. So really thankful for that. So um, really appreciate it and we're looking forward to it. And then most importantly, I just want to say sorry about the mix up on the... <laughs> uploading last week i accidentally had the second podcast uploaded and it just took a minute to fix a little messy but we fixed it so appreciate everybody who messaged me and said oh kayla you made a mistake <laughs> like oh crap <laughs> i will fix it so um but that's you know i think we must said this in our first podcast is that that's kind of, you know <laughs> this that's 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 this right we're a little messy um we're doing our best here and having fun with it so well, before we get into kind of our topics, let's just, yeah, how's the week been? You're in um, Seattle, right? Yep, I'm in Federal Way for Women's Pac-12 Swimming Diving Championships. Um, so I'm here through Sunday, and it will be a lot of fun to That's watch exciting. ASU crush it in the water. So really excited for it. So how are you doing, Kayla? <laughs> oh, well, I was doing good, and then... I feel like garbage today, for being honest. My husband was sick all weekend, which meant a lot of solo parenting on my end because he, poor guy, was just miserable. And I thought maybe I was going to get by it and not get caught with it, but I do not feel great. So we are just going through this, though. We're getting through it. Um, we've had a lot going on. Uh, I think since, yeah, since the last time we recorded, uh, we bought a house. In Arizona, Woo! Which is really exciting. Congrats! Yeah, and so we're going through that process. We got Skyler into daycare, and we were informed by daycare that he has to be potty trained in order to attend. Oh no! Ah, For yeah. everyone who doesn't know, so Skyler has had issues with potty training and fear of pooping. Yes, huge fear of pooping. Um, like trauma style fear of pooping. <laughs> um, and we've seen specialists for it. We're working with a gastroenterologist for it. And, uh, and it stemmed from, we previously got kind of pushed a little bit into potty training and he wasn't ready. And now we're being pushed into it again, but I think he's more ready this time, but it's just, you know, we just weren't, we weren't totally prepared to have to like potty train him just yet. We were kind of letting him do it on his own because of everything. But they informed us that they said that there was, it's a law in Arizona. Oh. That they have, in the, in the threes group, they have to be potty trained or you have to have a medical exemption. Oh. That seems ridiculous to me. That seems too intense. Stupid. Yeah. Yes. 
Now, I have not verified this. For anybody who's listening, I have not fully verified this. So <laughs> you cannot quote me. But that's what we were informed. And I find that to be ridiculous. The fact that we can have a law. Children must be potty trained by a certain age. Not a 10. I just, everybody develops on their own and should be able to take the time each child needs without being penalized for Pressure. or forcing a child to do something that they're not ready to do. Yeah. So, but it's going a lot better this time to the extent um, he is like volunteered to put underwear on. But okay. I thought that was a big piece. Uh, he officially pooped in the toilet. I know this is all the topics you guys are wanting to hear about my child's <laughs> pooping. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> but he officially pooped in the toilet and he was so proud of himself. So proud of himself. Like I was and in a he meeting. should be. That's a huge deal he, for him. Yes, it was a huge deal for him. And he came like running in and he had this like joyful look on his face. And like I had to pause my meeting and but thankfully they were super understanding and like, he was like, mommy, 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 I pooped in the toilet, huge poop. And like did his hand really wide. Like you're measuring a fish. Oh, <laughs> we were so proud of him. And he was so proud. He had to call grandma and grandpa and he had to tell them. And he was really proud of himself. He got to put a sticker on his sticker chart. Oh, he got chocolate. So the really big week yeah. in Bunker house told Yes, we have a lot going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, great time for everybody to get sick and feel like garbage. We're just fingers crossed that the kids don't get sick because that just ruins everything. So, you never know. Daycare is like germ, germ, germ pool. So, like every two weeks, somebody brings something home. So that's our week. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Hopefully they're just developing that strong immune system. That's the hope. That's the hope. So, awesome. Well, let's dive into our topics and questions here. Um, we had some really great ones. So this first one uh, came from Blake, who I believe is our number one fan. Thanks, Blake. <laughs> and he had, yes, thanks, Blake. He had some quick rapid fire questions for us. So basically, um, I'll just read them off and... I'll let you answer first, and then I'll answer. They're kind of silly. There's nothing really super fun, crazy about them, but it's just kind of fun to do really quick. So, which do you prefer, black or white bike shoes? White. See, mine are black and white, and I love them. So I don't know. Okay. But there is something cool about white bike shoes. I like my white ones. Yeah. I think... If I had all the choice in the world, I'd get like fluorescent pink ones. But I yes, I get like bright blue. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Which and then another. Which do you prefer, socks or no socks on the bike? Socks. I yeah. am a so big sock is... person. Yes. Here's the thing, though, for me: socks when I'm training, I will not do it without socks when I train. But I don't wear them when I race. It's too hard for me to put them on after the swim. Faster after when they're dry. All right. Um, which do you prefer, visor or sunglasses with helmet? I have only ever done sunglasses. Specifically, probably when you're racing. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't have a helmet with a visor. I don't even have a official arrow tail helmet yet. So <laughs> I'm um, That needs to be on your list, which is actually something <laughs> we could chat about really quick because I had one of my athletes messaged me and was like, what is the best, like, she's like, I'm not trying to like spend all my money here, but like, what are the important things to buy to help speed? And there are some things that you can buy that literally are, they're not free speed because you're literally, you know, handing over a credit card, but there are some like wheels and a helmet are two big ones. Arrow mm-hmm. helmet makes a huge difference. Um, I personally like the visor arrow helmets, um, mostly because then I have a tendency to like spray water everywhere. Like I'm messy. And then I can have clean sunglasses when I run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. This is a good one. Uh, which do you prefer, flat course or hilly course? Ooh. Are we talking the run portion or the bike portion or both? Ooh, that's a good question. It doesn't specify. Um, flat run for sure. Yeah. Uh, bike? I like rolling hills. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Rolling hills are nice on the bike because it's, it's your, you can still be really fast, but you're not necessarily um, just bored out of your mind. Yeah. So I do, I do, there is something to say about flat courses where you can just literally like stick your head down and just like balls to the walls, go for it. There is something about that that can be really fun. Yeah, I feel like I haven't done a truly flat course yeah texas was supposed to be flat but with the wind it just didn't ride it became not flat (laughs) (laughs) no and it definitely did not yeah yeah so okay last one uh which do you prefer descending or climbing descending Mm, no question yeah i am not a good descender i'm better than i used to be but i definitely not one of my strong suits you on the other hand are like a power descender it's funny watching us if you ever watch us ride together because yeah, just I'll go on the downhill <laughs> and then like the second we start going uphill, Caleb will just fly past. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like I do enjoy uphills. So, um, awesome. Well, those were fun. Thanks, Blake. Okay, so this next question is a great one, um, and it's for Aaron. Um, it was, what is your number one rec- drill recommendation in the pool? Um, they were saying they're feeling really slow and kind of stuck with their progress and just wondering, like, what is one thing to kind of help, you know, with that? So, Aaron, I'm going to let you go and I and talk while I go get my charger because I forgot to charge my computer. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that comes to my head is just going back to the basics. So one of the first things that we do when we learn how to swim is float. Um, Yet I see a lot of adults don't know how to float anymore. Um, So my number one drill is called, you can either do it as a dead man's float or ball a line to streamline where you're really going from a limp position where your arms and legs are kind of towards the bottom of the pool and you use your core strength to float yourself to the top. So you're just lying on top of the surface in a straight line. And then from yes, there, I tried you progress. Hard. Yeah. And 
it's a critical skill to your body position in the water, but people neglect the basics. Like first thing we do, we learn how to float. So learning, going back to those basics and starting with a float again, and then you can progress from the float to kicking once you get into that float position. And then once you kick for five seconds, you can start adding the arm strokes in and doing 1225s where you're just starting in a float position, using that core, engaging that core um, can be really helpful to getting a strong feel for the water back. Um, another one I also really like is underwater recovery drill, um, where your arm never comes out of the water. You just kind of swoosh it back up. So, Yeah, that is also a good one. Um, cause I feel like it really, it takes away that one for me, whenever I do that drill, like, I feel like it takes away the idea of, okay, I have to like bring my arm up and around and all I can, all I have to focus on then is my catch, like, and yes. actually using, like activating my lats and using that. And I don't have to focus on anything else, which mm -hmm. is strange because really you should do that when you swim. Right. But yep. for some reason throwing the recovery in there makes it so much harder. Yeah. And that would be my other tip um, would be just to pick about like just one focus per week, whether that be your core activation or the catch part of the stroke or the recovery portion of the stroke and just stick to that one focus for that one or two weeks because a lot of times we'll try and think through too many things at once and we just get overwhelmed and it doesn't help with anything. Yeah. So that would be my other piece of advice. Because there's a lot of little pieces with swimming and there's so many, you can totally mm -hmm. overwhelm yourself. What do you feel? How do you feel about the idea of, because a lot of times we see, like sometimes people are like, uh, not necessarily quantity. Um, they are like, well, I just need, I need to swim a lot. Like, and when they say a lot, instantly they go 3K, 4K, 5K, and like all of their swims are so super long versus maybe, and, and trying to, manage that from like a only swimming three days a week and then doing like three, four, five K those days versus maybe trying to swim less like 1600 mm -hmm. to two K only and swimming five days a week. If you can, obviously we know that some people's life doesn't allow that, but if you yeah. shorten it down to 1600, you're not in the pool for crazy long. And so maybe it makes it easier to get in more often. What are your thoughts on that versus I think if you yeah. can get in the pool more often than just swimming more yards, it will pay off more because if you don't have good technique in the first thousand yards, you're definitely not going you're to not have, gonna have it no. by yard no, 4,000. me today in the pool. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and you don't want to enforce bad habits. So you're, no, you'd be way let me tell you, they are hard to change. Yeah, so you'd be way better off swimming a thousand yards a day with perfect technique and slowly building that up and just going until you feel like your technique starts to fall apart and then calling it a day, but going back the next day and just keep going yeah. until you feel like you can't keep a technique anymore um, because that's how our body is yeah. going to learn how we should swim. And as we can uh, keep that up more, we can add more and more to it, but until you can go without that technique falling apart. I, I recommend just swimming a lot of days of the week, but not a lot of yards. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like that. I know for me, that was a big change that I made when I finally started going from like being a 140 swimmer to a 130 swimmer was we dropped the amount of yardage per swim that I did. And I don't think I ever went above like 2,400 
for like six months and we just swam five days a week mm-hmm. or even sometimes six and just anywhere from, it was like 1800 to 2,500 and in the water and just that feel for the water made a huge difference. Um, and just being in the water, even as a swimmer or I swam for 18 years of my life, but just having that feel of the water, like I usually don't, it depends on the week, but I don't swim on weekends often. And maybe my first swim of the week will be Tuesday and like three days out of the water, I feel like crap. And I'm probably like two seconds yeah. slower per hundred. So just being in the water. It's amazing how fast you can lose water feel mm-hmm. more than any other of the other disciplines. Like, yeah. At one point so I heard for each day you take off swimming, um, it takes a half day to get that back. Well, shit. <laughs> That's not good for me. I think it probably is one <laughs> full day for me. <laughs> I mean, it's probably a lot to do with uh, the fact that swimmers are in the water for like 18 hours a week um, when you're just yeah. swimming. So it yeah. just feels super strange. But that's all, the other thing is like yeah. leading up to a race day. I like to be in the water for like the three days before a race just to really make sure I, I feel for it. I do too. I agree. Awesome. Well, those were really good tips, Aaron. Um, and if anybody is interested, Aaron, uh, we do offer uh, swim analysis through where if you take you with Aaron. Um, she is really great at them. She provides you a ton of information. Um, you do a you know face to face kind of meeting with her, and um, depending on the package, you know follow ups and everything. So um, you can always reach out, and she can turn you into a fast swimmer. That's what I'm hoping she's gonna do for me when I move to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're in Arizona and you want to do private swim lessons in person, happy to help you out there, too. So if you have any questions really about good. the swim analysis stuff, too, feel free to message me on Instagram. I'm pretty good at getting back there. Perfect. Awesome. All right. So our next question is from Marie, and she says, hi, love the podcast. I used to swim with Aaron a long time ago. Um she said, my question is if the end goal is to do an Ironman one day, what prerequisite races are important to do prior to training for slash signing up for it? I've done a sprint triathlon, a few half marathons, a century bike, and a few open water swims. And she's thinking that a marathon is next on the list in an Olympic distance triathlon. What are our thoughts? Well, I think she's already covered all the bases. All, <laughs> first of all, hi, hope you're doing well. <laughs> it's been a while. Let's catch up soon. <laughs> I might have a different take than you on this, but I don't think you necessarily need a prerequisite. Oh, no, I think I agree with you. Okay. I still have never ran a standalone marathon. Um, Yes, and that's exactly what I was going to mention, that I do not think you need to run a standalone marathon to do an Ironman. And, in fact, they are completely different. Completely different. If you ask anybody who's done both, a standalone marathon is way harder than an Ironman marathon. And oftentimes I actually get athletes who want to do them in their build. And I do not recommend it because usually it leads to injury. Almost every single athlete that I've ever had to a standalone marathon, like within their Ironman build, we've had a hard time with them managing it. Um, you know, for our prerequisite races, I mean, it is nice. So I've had, I mean, I've had athletes, I had an athlete in 2019, she messaged me in February and was like, I'd like to work, work with you. I have to sign up for Ironman Arizona. And I was like, awesome, cool. You know, tell me about your history. 
She's like, well, I've never swam and I've never uh, biked before. And I don't even own a bike yet. And I was like, okay, cool. All right, let's see what we do. And for her, I put her in prerequisite races. We did a sprint, we did an Olympic, and we did a 70.3. Why? Because she has never done any of them before. She's never felt it. That can be really important. Now, it doesn't mean that I think it means you need to do all of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you probably agree with me. And if I think for, for you, we had you do, well, you did a 70, you did two 70.3s before your first time. I just did one. I did, one. I did an That's Olympic. Right. I did an Olympic in August right. of 2021, a half in October of 2021, and a full in mm -hmm. April of 2022. That's right. Um, yeah. And that was the only and I, racing I had done. And yeah. to give you, Marie specifically is an elite runner, uh, ran at Georgia Tech, I believe, um, and also mm -hmm. has a very strong background in swimming. So. And I think that's key. And especially like as a coach, like for me, making that decision on what an athlete needs really comes down to their background. If they've never done it before, then I really think it's important for them to do, or they have very little background in any of them to do those types of things because you need to learn how it feels to do swim, bike, run back to back. Mm -hmm. But if you have a kind of an elite or a good solid, doesn't have to be elite. I don't think that's the right word, but a really good solid foundation of sport um, kind of, and kind of specifically more in the run, bike, and swim range, you can kind of get away with not necessarily doing them. Though, mm -hmm. it can be really fun to do them because it breaks up the yes. training and gives you something to look forward to. Yes. And I think it kind of depends on what your goals are with it, too. If your goal is just to finish it and say you're an Ironman, then, like, yeah, I guess yeah. you could just do the Ironman. But if you want to do well in it, which I feel like... Marie is one of those type of people who would, I think it's beneficial to do um, the races before and kind of figure out nutrition, figure out transitions, all of that. Just mm -hmm. figure out how your legs are going to feel coming off the bike. Because even like in training, it's really yeah. just hard to prepare for that. And the one thing that is definitely challenging, you know, and, and I usually try to like get push athletes to think about is the idea of is triathlon gets easier the more that you do it right it's kind of one of those sports that the more time you put into it the more fun you usually have with it the more that you have longevity within the sport the easier training becomes etc etc and that's because you're, you build up resiliency to your structural system muscular system nervous system and sometimes if you have never done like a like a triathlon before, even if you're maybe a runner or a swimmer or a biker, if you've never done a full triathlon before, jumping into a full is a lot. It's a different beast. And so sometimes it just kind of is more along the lines of like, okay, well, what, what do I want out of this sport? Is this something that I want to fall in love with and do forever? And maybe that does mean waiting another year to do a full Ironman and doing 70.3s and Olympics so that you can build up your body's resiliency to it. Maybe, maybe not. And so I think it really just really kind of comes down to like really thinking about you, who you are as an athlete and who you are as a person, what your life can handle as well. Because Ironman training, as you well know, Aaron, it's a lot. Even mm -hmm. if you just want to finish, you have to put the time in. You cannot do an Ironman without putting the time in. Yeah. And so you have to be ready for that. And I, I, to me, that's a big prerequisite is being yeah. willing and ready to do that. And with that being said, the one thing 
no matter what race you sign up for, I think if you're going to do a full Ironman, one of the best investments you can make is a coach. And I might be a bit biased and both of us are coaches. Um, but having someone to guide you through that process and someone to talk to when things go wrong, because it's highly unlikely you're going to get through a whole Ironman training block with things going exactly perfect how you want to. So to have someone to bounce ideas off of and help you talk about nutrition and help you talk about like pre-race fears and your training schedule and what works for you and what doesn't and being able to make adjustments with your coach is huge. And important, like also to just take that stress off of you. So you don't have to think about what am I supposed to do this week? They think about it for you. Um, That's actually one of my, like, and I always tell um, people that when um, I, you know, we start working together or not even when we start working together, but when they come in and do a, um, like a consult and say, this is not a sales pitch. You can go with any other coach if you want, but I think it's very important that you have a coach because, there is a lot that goes into Ironman training and triathlon in general. I mean, honestly, sprint and Olympic too. There's a lot that goes into it. And it's nice to have someone who understands the sport and um, can just be that third party person to take away the pressure and help with that. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Cool. Um, Okay. Our next question. Um, is uh kind of a really good one um probably well it was technically directed at me but i think it's really important for everybody um is how do you manage a training schedule with poor sleep due to kids now i think one thing that is important to know is yes this question is obviously regarding kids and they're because i have kids but a lot of times people don't sleep well due to stress of work or life or just don't sleep well. And there are times where you are going to be extremely tired. And how do you manage that? Um, you know, for me, I have not slept much in three years. My kids don't sleep very well. Um, for the first like year of Skylar's life, we were up every 90 minutes. No joke. I'm not exaggerating every 90 minutes. Um, and we still wake up two to four times a night, every night, depending. And that's good. Um, but for me, it really came down to a couple of things. Like one, like this is the space of life that I'm in. And I still have big goals. So I got to get over it. I'm not sleeping well. That's okay. I have to manage it from other standpoints. I have to manage it from making sure on top of my hydration and my, my, my eating and keeping stress lower in other places that I can. And so that's one thing. Um, The other piece that I think was really important is sometimes you just have to still do it. Yeah, you're tired. Get over it. You have to do it. And that comes with learning more about you, I think, and learning about where you can push and where you can't. And that's the next piece is like being able to learn, like have the confidence in yourself to adjust your expectation and remove the pressure from the session or the day and say, okay, well, I maybe I'm supposed to do sweet spot intervals at 85%, but I only have 75% in me. That's great. If you have 75% in you, that's still in you. Right. And I think honestly, that's something you and I, you and I have talked about just with understanding of triathlon training in general, sleep or no sleep, right? Like some days you just don't have it. Yeah. And that's okay. 
And when you adjust the expectation and allow yourself room to not be perfect and focus on the execution, then you actually get something out of it. And I think that's, that ends up being the key. Um, my last tip on that is always just try. I always say, just hop on the bike. And that's what I'm saying for me. Like some days I'm like so tired. I say, I'm just going to hop on the bike. And if it doesn't go well, I quit or I stop. Quit's not the good word. I stop and I move on. Like yesterday, horrible training day. I had a 90 minute ride and a 30 minute run. I was overwhelmed. We didn't sleep well the night before. My husband was sick or potty training. The kids weren't in daycare. I was exhausted. I had nothing in me. I was probably getting sick because I feel like garbage today. I had nothing in me. Tried. But I got 40 minutes in and I said, this is not doing me any good today. So I stopped. Wrote my note to a coach and moved on. And said, so it's just what it is. I think that's where the management comes from. Is more of an understanding of you than even necessarily a management of the training schedule. Yeah. I haven't had kids, um, but I have been an athlete for 20 plus years um, and have had weeks where I'm sleepless. And I think it's just really about knowing yourself um, and learning through sport what your body needs. Like I personally went pretty much my whole swim career with never giving myself grace to say like, I'm too tired. I'm not going to get anything out of this workout today because there are days I definitely should have been like, I need the day off mentally, physically, emotionally, like I'm getting sick, I'm getting injured and I'd push it and things would go wrong. And I think through triathlon, I'm really learning to find that line of, Am I tired and can still get it done and I just don't want to at this moment? Or am I so tired that like I really need the day off so I can get back to it the next day? And learning to ask yourself that question and interpret yes, your body that's needs. The key. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's like almost being willing to have a dialogue with yourself. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on today? And what do I need? And really looking at it from all angles. Like, am I just tired because I'm tired and life is tiring or am I really, really tired? And this is just, this is what I need because oftentimes lack of motivation is just the, the, because of the day, the great grind. But then sometimes lack of motivation is really due to the fact that you really, really need a day off and that's okay. So I think managing your training schedule, whether you have kids or no kids or sleep or no sleep, like, really comes down to you asking that same question to yourself. What do I need today? What do Mm -hmm. I need to do for me? And being okay with allowing that space for yourself. And maybe that space is needing to get on the bike and do the workout, but maybe that space is not. And not having the grace for yourself to do either one. Yeah. And if you're not sure, a good rule of thumb is just start it, give yourself 20 minutes and if you still feel like Mm -hmm. you don't want to do it or can't do it then stop it's okay but I think starting it when you're on that borderline is a really good idea yeah because oftentimes I have found that like you get started and you get through the warm-up and you're like oh yeah I've got this and then you feel way better when you get done and you're actually usually I'm usually less tired um (laughs) 
I'm more tired than sometimes I'm more tired the days I completely take off. Um, because then it's like my brain's only thinking about how tired I am. Um, but I think that also then is just have that, like you said, have that grace for if you get 20 minutes in and it's just, you cannot manage it. It's okay. I know for me, like when I read athletes training plans, I would rather see that. I love seeing that. Hey, I tried, but this was not working for me today. And I'm honoring that as a coach. I'm always going to honor that and respect that. I think that's key. Yes. hundred percent agree. Awesome. Okay. Um, this is a good one. Um, also from Blake. Um, and he has a question on kind of like heat acclimation, um, more specifically around running, but, um, I think kind of, it kind of works in general. So he says in triathlon, we run in warmer temperatures than a runner does. So he's kind of talking, he's comparing triathlon to like marathons, right? But oftentimes marathons maybe start at like 6am. And so yep. even if it does get hot, you can, you know, for the most part, you know, you're maybe done by 11, um, at, at kind of the long end. Um, and you know, the really fast people are, you know, done by nine range. Um, whereas with triathlon, we're just kind of getting on the bike at that time frame, and then we still yep. have to run. Um, and you know, most runners train early in the morning hours to beat the heat. Um, but as a triathlete, he's asking kind of how much running should I do in the early morning where the temps are cooler um, versus later in the morning or to experience more race-like temperatures and more late day running help me to um, acclimate, acclimate, said that wrong, acclimate to the heat and perform better on race day or would just stress me more in training. So this is a big one to unpack because there is a yeah. lot involved with it. Um, yes. And in heat, I mean, similar, I mean, to you and um, in Arizona, he comes from Flor Florida, very hot, very humid, um, you know, nasty in the summer. Um, and heat acclimation is definitely kind of a tricky one. Really, it is one of those things where the best heat acclimation is being in it. It really is true. Um, it's, there are protocol, other protocols that you can do, sauna um, training, hot tub training, um, uh, wearing lots of layers in a no fan training room, um, to just basically the, the key is with heat acclimation is to really get your core temperature up and to work hard to perform at that, that, that core temperature, um, raised. Mm -hmm. However, it puts a lot of stress on the body. Yes. Um, and I think you, you saw that last the last couple seasons working in triathlon with summer training your afternoon runs and rides took a lot out of you um and so you have to kind of balance that so i know for me as a coach i always recommend kind of like a mixture really key sessions you either do early in the morning or you do on a trainer or a treadmill to avoid the heat so those are like your hard tempo runs maybe, or your interval sets, um, et cetera. Easy runs, easy bikes, where you're just kind of out there jogging are good to do in that warmer temperature in that later portion of the day in order to get your body acclimatized to it, where you're keeping the stress level of the session lower, but allowing your body to kind of spend more time in that. Um, 
but as someone, Aaron, who comes from the heat, how do you mm-hmm. kind of feel? Like, what do you feel is the best management for that? I kind of agree. Um, I think it's good to do a couple of your hard sessions in the heat so you know come race day that you can do it in the heat. Um, but I would do those hard sessions during a lighter week because the stress load mm-hmm. from that workout is definitely going to be increased. Um, and not also, more than, in my opinion, not more than like three weeks into it. Like, uh, yeah. If, if you're, if you're in that, in that two to three week range out, like stop doing those hard workouts yes. in the heat. Yes. Easy ones you can keep doing, but we're trying to lower the stress level at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to do most of the quality workouts inside because you're going to be able to go faster. Um, like marathoners don't, the world record marathon holders, those times aren't done when it's 82 degrees outside. Um, no, and there's not. a reason for that. We're faster when it's cooler. Um, and for your body to be able to know how to go fast, you have to go fast in training. And if you're not going fast mm-hmm. in training because it's hot, um, your body's not going to be able to adapt as well as it can to just the feed you want to do. Um, but training outside in the heat and knowing you can handle the heat and getting used to the heat, I think is really important mentally and physically. Like mm-hmm. at Kona, and I hope to qualify for Kona again this year. I aged up, so we'll see, but. So hoping to do it. I feel very <laughs> confident that uh, the heat, like I'm more prepared than just about anyone for that heat. And that was like not one of my yeah. limiting factors at Kona at all this past year. Um, and that's just because I put myself out in it and I'm not scared to do it. And it sucks. Oh, part of it was I didn't have much of a choice. I work early mornings when it's still in Arizona. So I have to do my mm-hmm. workouts in the afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. But... It's good. Yeah. And I think it's important to, when you are doing that type of training, we kind of like, we just talked about that idea of having grace for yourself. When you're doing this type of training in the heat, your heart rate is going to be like somewhere in that five to 10 beats higher instantly. Mm -hmm. And the effort is going to feel harder, but you're still. And so a lot of times I always get the, and like you and I had this talk too, quite a few times, like I'm getting slower. I suck. I can't do this. And it's like, no, it's, it's 95, 100, 105 degrees out or the humidity is 90%. If you live in Texas or Florida and it, it's hot as hell out. Yeah. You instantly are putting yourself into a different zone, so to speak. Um, I mean, I don't think I had a and, single ride in my last summer training block that was over 19 miles per hour for me pretty far off no, what I would do. And it's 70 out. Um, and to yeah. just, be mentally ready. Like it's okay. Like you're not getting slower. It's hot. Your body's getting used to the heat. It takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think it comes really important to always like set intention with your session and be really focused on the execution that you need to put behind it. Like if your coach wants you doing an an Ironman effort, then what does that effort mean to you Mm -hmm. in the heat? And, or if, you know, they want an easy ride, what does an easy ride mean? Like, look at the intention behind the set yep. and then know that that, that effort might change. It might be slightly different. It might be a little bit lower. Maybe it's higher. Who knows? I don't know. 
but maybe it's going to change a little bit based off of the conditions. And that's okay because if you're executing appropriately, you will still get a large portion of the adaptation that you're probably looking for. And when it cools off, you will be just as fast. And I know this for a fact because I've coached quite a few people through the summer that have done like fall races and boom, guess what? They hit their times and or are faster every time. You know, and I know they spend I've the entire summer complaining that they suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again. If you need to heat training, turn off the computer, turn off your watch. If like the time and the heart rate stuff is bothering you, um, just take it out and really just yeah. focus on the execution. Yep. And that's why it can be really important to like pick and choose the sessions. So oftentimes when I have yes. athletes that I know like are training for Kona, I will specifically tell them, Hey, I want this one outside. And I'm pretty sure we did that with you. Um, and I know we did that with Katie. Um, I told her like, I want this run in the afternoon, but it was like a one hour endurance run. Like don't, don't push things. And I said, I want this in the afternoon because I want you to get that, that heat acclimation. Um, but being very specific about what that looks like is really key. For sure. Heat training is tough. It kind of messes with you mentally and physically. Um, and that's where, again, it really comes down to all of the, everything. That's why triathlon is so awesome and crazy and cool. Yes. There's so many pieces that are involved with it. Like you have to be so on top of your hydration, your electrolytes, your, your oftentimes what happens in the heat is athletes don't eat. And so then like I've had so many athletes that they all of a sudden I'm like, what is going on? They're like bonking all the time. Shouldn't be. And when you sit and chat and it's like, well, I have a really hard time eating in the heat. And so I just, I don't really eat much. It's like, well, you don't have the caloric capacity then to do your training. Like, okay, what can we eat that is cool and that you can get calories in? So you have to focus on those things. And that's where, you know, triathlon is very holistic and that you can't just swim, bike, run. Yes. That's what I love about the sport. I love all the aspects that go into it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. There's so many little pieces that you can mess with and tweak and play around with. And, um, that also can be overwhelming. Um, but it really kind of, you really have to focus on those things. You to get the best out of yourself, which is what every single one of us is trying to do. I don't care if you're Jan Ferdano crossing the finish line or the very last finisher, we're all trying to get the very best out of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that looks different for everybody, but the little pieces are what make a huge difference. Like, you know, when you and I did our mental performance stuff, I always told you like small changes make big changes. Little things make big things. Yep. You have to do the little and things to make the big things. Then there's so many little things. There's so many areas you can improve in to become better. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah, which really goes back into what we talked about last week, right? The idea of progress and celebrating, mm-hmm. right? You, you, like you talked about the idea of like celebrating the, all the little pieces. Yes. So it allows you space to have room to celebrate these things, which makes it so that, yeah, maybe the session sucked, but guess what? Maybe you fueled appropriately. It just sucked. Well, cool. Celebrate it. You nailed your nutrition. Yep. That's awesome. It's powerful. So. Um, heat acclimation is definitely a tough one. Um, but, um, awesome. So the very last question, 
um, was for me. Um, and it said, when did you start thinking I want to become a professional triathlete? Um, and I liked this one. So I included it because honestly, I pretty sure I told my coach, like on the first time I chatted with her, like six years ago, I don't know when her and I started working either six, seven years ago now, um, that I want to be a professional triathlete. Thought I could do it. So I've kind of always wanted to, um, I always, I've always been someone who sets really, really high goals for myself. Like as for as long as I can remember, um, like when I was in, when I was in fifth grade and I was moving into middle school, I told my parents that I wanted to be Val Victorian and they said, great, that's, that's awesome. I said, no, I want to be Val Victorian all the way to 12th grade through high school. That's a huge goal to set as a fifth grader. And that, I mean, that's what I've always been. And I did it. I think that's why I kind of was like, yeah, I want to be a professional triathlete because I can. I'm going to work my ass off to do it. And I don't want anybody, no one's going to stop me. And that really came from having a lot of faith and belief in myself. Um, and just knowing that I can do the work to do it. Yeah, I'm not the most talented. I'm not, but I work hard and I grow and I learn and it's fun. Being a professional, being a professional is fun. It's exciting. I want to race against the best people. Like, yeah, winning is fun. I love winning. I want to win, but I also want to push myself and you can't push yourself if you're always winning. You have to go against the best people. That's when you bring the best out of yourself. And that's exciting. And I think that's, that's why I wanted to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited for the 2023 season because I'm, I'm definitely putting myself into races that are hard. 2023. <laughs> I'm not, is that what I said? What did I say? You said 2022. It's just, well, you're tired. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what season we're in. I mean, I, it doesn't, I don't even know what month we're in. Honestly, I keep thinking we're in March, but it's February. So there's that. Anyway, continue. Um, Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. <laughs> um, but that also kind of got me thinking a little bit as I was talking about this, like, cause Aaron, for you, like you are kind of similar. You have big goals in the sport. And when you came to me and you said, I want to go to Kona. Like, what was that for you? I think Kona. I mean, you had never done an Ironman before. Think, and you told me you yeah, wanted to go to Kona. Yeah, I think, I think some of Kona, I always had this goal while swimming that I wanted to make Olympic trials because that was like the big thing you do in swimming. And I just, it never happened. Um, so I kind of saw an opportunity to do something special and a different sport and I wanted it the same way I wanted trials and just for a variety of reasons, it didn't happen, but I really believed that Kona could happen for me. Um, so I did it and, or I made that my goal and got after and I qualified. Um, with that being said, I'm someone, I like to try and practice what I preach and I tell People, I think it's important to say your big scary goals out loud because it makes them real, but it also gives you a support system that can help you get after mm -hmm. your goals. And my goal is I want to be a professional triathlete in the next four to five years, um, which is, 
I believe um, you can so, do it. I've told you this. I told you you could do it before yeah. you even thought you could do it. Yeah, and I wasn't sure until really after Kona that that was something I ever wanted. Um, but for me, I want it because I want I want to be as close to my potential in this sport as I can. And I think a big thing that would help me do that is to be able to swim with the professionals and then just like see how long I can hold on on the bike and then whatever happens on the run happens. Um, but to be able to be pushed from the swim start, um, I think would help me be the best I can be in the sport. And that's what really excites me. And that's what makes me want to do this sport in the first place. So that's my goal in the next four to five years is continue to be the best version of myself in the sport that I can be. I think you can do it. In fact, I know you can, I know you can. And I love that you said that, that sometimes you have to say these big, scary, big, hairy fear goals out loud because too often we don't chase those and we should chase them more. I mean, I always like to say that fear is our biggest motivator because you have a choice of fear. You either back down or you look it in the face and say, fuck you, I've got this. Yeah. Why not do the second version? Because you never know what you're going to find out yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot um, of the times too, during those scary goals out loud, you're not even like scared for yourself, but the way people are going to react to it. Like I knew at first I was scared people were going to think I was crazy for thinking I could be good enough to do that or that if I didn't get it, that people would like look down on me or treat me like a hurt puppy dog or something. Um, but really I'm doing this for me and I want this mm -hmm for me. And that's all that matters. And if I can tell people and people can help me in that process of trying to achieve that goal, then awesome. And the people who think I'm crazy, like I don't really need them anyway. So you don't need them in your life. They're not worth your time. Cause it has to, it's one of those where you, when you say stuff like that, like you, it's really powerful to believe it and really like that is you putting you first. And there's nothing wrong with always putting your putting yourself first because I'm a firm believer that when you put yourself first, you actually then are able to help others more. Mm -hmm. You have more to give. You have more space to give. And that comes with our goals. And sometimes we have to be selfish about them. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit selfish about your goals. Best people, best athletes, best business people, best whatever. They're usually a little bit selfish towards their goals. That's because they believe in them. And more importantly, they believe in themselves. Yes. And that is what all of it is about. When you are willing to put yourself out there, then you are standing up for you and you are believing in you. Mm -hmm. And that is like the most amazing thing that you can have for yourself is faith in you. And it's hard to cultivate. And sometimes it really does take literally like stepping fear in the face and saying, I'm done with you. This is my time. This is my turn. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to go for and doing it and going for it. Do something scary. Yeah. Do the thing that, that fear, you're fear, uh, afraid of. And that's actually a way to practice it. You can do little things that you're scared of to help you practice, have that confidence. Like, yeah, I can look fear in the face and move past it. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, that helps you to gain confidence in yourself. For sure. So Kayla, now that you've achieved this goal that you've been chasing for the last like six to seven years, how was it setting new goals? And are you, do the new awesome. goals excite you as much as the goal of turning pro? Oh, hell yeah. Even more. Even more. It's more exciting. It's awesome. Like, I think that's one of the cool things is like, oftentimes it's always, you know, whenever some people set big goals and they go, well, what happens when I achieve it? What next? Next. You get to grow even more. You get to learn even more. Yeah. You get to be more. Set a new goal. Try something else with it. And that's really exciting. Yeah. I like that goal, like accomplishing it was, was awesome, but I'm even more excited for what comes from that is, you know, of our, you know, trying to qualify for Kona as a professional, trying to qualify for a professional, uh, a PTO race, trying to get into the top 40. Yeah. Trying, I want to, I want to get on, I want to get on the podium. I believe I can. I, I think you can too. I believe I can. Will it happen right away? I don't know. Maybe not, but maybe it will. I don't put myself out there. Give my damnedest. Hell yeah. And that's awesome. And that's exciting. And I think that's super powerful. You don't, there's always another piece that you can work towards. A lot of times I see athletes, like they will like they do their Ironman and they're like, well, no, I'm just going to quit triathlon. And it's like, why? If that's what you want, that's great. But just because you accomplish one goal doesn't mean that you're done. There's more to it. Maybe you want to now, you went from just finishing, well, maybe now you want to try to make it the top 15. And that's exciting. Maybe you want to qualify for a world. That's exciting. Maybe you want to try to get a better swim time or get a, under four hours in the marathon. Right? There's always a piece you can change. You can adjust. You can adapt and become more pieces of it. Yes. And I think that's why goal setting is so cool because you don't have to be done. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I'm even more excited for some of these goals than... Um, you know, then that's even awesome. just trying to promote a professional triathlete because there's a lot of opportunity with it. And I want to chase that opportunity and see where that goes. You know, I want to prove to people that mm-hmm. I'm here to light it up. You can, you should sponsor me. Yeah. What, like, that's one of the <laughs> hardest things right now is, 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 is a, a rookie pro is there's no sponsorship opportunity or I've had a hard time with yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just decided to let that go. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to prove all those people wrong. You don't yeah. want to sponsor me? Would you give me an opportunity? Fine. I'll show you why you should. And that's cool. Yeah. Stand up for me. So I want, that's what I like. My number one hope is that like my legacy is that, that I encourage others to stand up for themselves and believe in themselves because I saw the power that it's done for me. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to win, but that's more important. So yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'm running out of steam and my kids are going to be home any minute, which is exciting. I got to go feed the swim team. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So, okay. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining in. Um,
episode. Again, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, any topics you want us to cover, uh, please email us at, or head over to our, um, I don't even know what you call it, area where you can put, put a question <laughs> at www.whereyoufetakeyou.com slash podcast. Um, we are always here for them. We love them. Um, and thank you guys for, um, hanging out with us for the last, you know, 56 minutes. Hopefully we didn't scare you away with our poop stories or my poop stories. <laughs> so. I don't know, but I feel like as an athlete, poop is just what you talk about. Just the way it is. Yeah, for sure. So. I'm sure there will be more. And with that note, <laughs> probably <laughs> let's just, <laughs> and with that note, Thanks, everybody. We will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.